This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, First Wave, Season 1, Episodes 1 and 18. Of all the subjects, 117 was the only one to reach our proverbial finish line at 19 Haven. His reward, the brief knowledge that he was a minion in our experiment. The experiment, as you know, was a test of human will in the face of cruel adversity. 117 has taught us that human will can occasionally surprise. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast predicted by Notre Dame. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. <laughs> What's real, Jordan? Why is Nostradamus always the uh, the go-to? Oh, he's just, he's the guy. He's the guy who saw the future, my friend. Yeah, but he didn't. Everything was wrong. <laughs> he wrote all his poems, though, and everyone loved him. <laughs> It's just so funny. Um, it's it's more of a thing in the second episode, and you kind of get the idea of what this show is. But as soon as Nostradamus was pulled out, I was like, what? What's that now? Do you think he's still shorthand anymore? I feel like the 90s burnt him out. Who, Nostradamus? Yeah, like as far as like a, as a guy you like use as a plot device. Yeah, I think he's sort of like, yeah, I think it's cheesy now. And it, it's just like a funny name to pull out. I, I don't think there's there's too much legitimacy to a TV show using it. I feel like the 90s, it was like the big go-to. And I think the 90s just used up all the social capital. Maybe that's what it was. And you have to remember the show we're going to be talking about is from, what, 1998? That is correct. Because this week we are starting our best of speed run of the series <laughs> First Wave. First Wave. And this is, the, uh, just I'll say right off the bat to everyone, if, if I have to apologize, I picked this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to remind everyone who's listening, or if it's your first time or you're just coming back per usual, uh, this year... For funsies, we're doing multi-season series, but of mm-hmm. course, that's too much too much TV, too much TV for us to watch. We can't do it; it's impossible. So, what we're doing is we're sort of picking the top three of every episode of every sorry, the top three episodes of every season plus the pilot and the finale. So, we're just going to get a taste test, a little sampler mm-hmm. platter of the series as we go. Uh, unless, of course, we use the escape pod because it sucks too bad. And I should say this is this is the second show we've done like this so far uh, um, this year. And uh, this is the first one that is somewhat serialized. And I, and I can see a couple little things where I was like, what's that now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely getting taste of the late 90s uh, starts into serialization. That kind of yeah. X-Files-y like. Some of this will, will tie into other episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've picked the episodes for this series um, based on sort of I've looked into best of lists, we've looked at the IMDb ratings, we've uh, solicited listener feedback, and we've kind of compiled all that, and that's how we sort of pick the uh, three episodes from each season we're going to watch. So it's not a decisive way of doing it, but I, we've done our best to pick the top three episodes of each season. Uh, we'll see how all that works out, but that's that's the well, idea. That's how these episodes I, are selected. I mean, it's a, it's a fair way of, because uh, we're, we're not trying to pick the worst episodes, we're trying to pick the best, and it's sort of like uh, you're just flipping on TV and you came across a show. That's what we're doing. You come across it. What's it like without knowing any of the backstory? Yeah, yeah. The best episode of it. Is it good enough to hold your attention? Exactly. Um, and then Joan Jordan, First Wave, 1998. Had you heard of this series before we started watching it? No, I hadn't. And and uh, I have to say, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about this probably in a, a later podcast. Executive produced by Francis Ford Coppola? Apparently. Yeah, but then I was like, that's weird. Then I looked and I was like, oh, Coppola's put his name on a lot of stuff. 
um i do remember this show actually do you um it was definitely in like syndication on like probably like sunday afternoon or something i can't be sure if i've ever watched a full episode it's one of those shows where i'd be like bored in the afternoon flipping through and you'd like hit it and be like what's on it's like first wave and you're like am i that bored or is there some, <laughs> is a fishing show on somewhere yeah i should say there's 66 episodes of the show it had a pretty decent run well, I can tell you a little bit about that, actually. Uh, we're not, we don't usually go into a lot of detail here about it because we, we like to go in pretty blind, but I'll give you a little taste of something here because it ran from September 9th, 1998 to February 7th, 2001, and mm-hmm. it's a Canadian series, Jordan. Yeah, I saw that. Well, I mean, I could, I could tell, I can spot, uh, I spot a Canadian show. And not just shot in Canada, but like produced by Canadians oh, for is that Canadians. Right? Oh. It was uh, originally done on the Space Channel in Canada. Hmm. Uh, but the Sci-Fi Channel had also picked it up to do a, to do a run later, and so it had mostly run its course of the first season in Canada. And then the Sci-Fi Channel was like, "Okay, we're going to run ours a little bit later than you." We just, you know, it's filler for their station as well because they were, you know, a mm-hmm. new Sci-Fi cable channel. But as they were running their first season, they're like, "You know what? This works for us." And the Sci-Fi Network immediately picked it up for an additional sixty-six episodes, the additional two seasons. So basically, Sci-Fi picked it up, ran it late, and they're like, "Yeah, good enough. Give us two more seasons." Like flat out they just paid for two more seasons right off the bat yeah that's that's pretty unheard of it's crazy it, I, it was just like whoa so this really was just like if you can imagine it a little scrappy canadian show that had sold to syndication around the world like a bunch of cable stations around the world and the sci-fi channel's like oh we need some stuff for here so like just give us two more seasons and like everyone on the show is just like we have a job for two more years it's like yeah it's like one of those things you're an actor they're like i guess i can buy that car uh, so honestly in some ways it's kind of uh, the little show that could Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. It is a little show they could. All right, Jordan, you want to talk about some world events that happened during the run oh, of uh, please, please, yes. First Wave? Yeah. Please. Now, this is where I realized it gets a little complicated because usually these shows run for maximum a year. And now we're talking about a show that ran for three years. So there's three a years. lot of stuff that happens in three years. So you're just going to give you're going to give me a sample of what happened? It'll probably be a little longer than normal, but I'm going to, I've tried to whittle it down to some basics. Some okay. interesting world events that... Uh, will situate you in the world of the first yeah, wave. They're going to set, set the stage. You have to remember, it's 1998. Luke's wearing uh, big buka shells around his neck. I'm always wearing those, though. <laughs> October 3rd, 1998, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Roddy McDowell dies. Oh, Roddy McDowell of... Uh, um, uh, we watched Planet of the Apes, the series, and obviously all every Planet of the Ape Roddy McDowell was part of, and other things, but that's his most known. He would have been great here, I think, in this show. He could have done a great role. He would have. He was. Wasn't he great in, in Planet of the Apes? He was just great. You could drop him into anything. He'd do a good job. I was just like, put him in an episode as a villain. He would have been great. In this, oh, a little and then he villain. showed up in our other show. What was the thing he showed up and he was playing a human? He's playing the priest. What was that we watched? Oh, the Martian Chronicles. The Martian Chronicles. That was good. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You really can't go wrong with him. February. Sorry. December nineteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Bill Clinton impeached. Yeah. Good times. January 1st, 1999, the euro established itself, the currency, I suppose. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's been around that long now. It has, since uh, January 1st, 1999. February 20th, 1999, Gene Siskel dies. <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed at that. There's, I don't have a problem with Gene Siskel. It's just I haven't heard that name in a while. I know. It was a real flashback for me, too. March 7th, yeah. 1999, Stanley Kubrick dies. Oh, Stanley Kubrick. And didn't, didn't finish AI. Did you ever watch AI? I did. Yeah, what'd you think of that? It was all right. I'd say uneven. <laughs> <laughs> April 1st, 1999, Jordan. 
Nunavut becomes the third Canadian territory. Mm, I remember that. Shout out to Nunavut. April 9th, 1999, Little Nas X born. <laughs> wow, he's very young, huh? I mean, everyone's young now, Jordan. Everyone's young, yeah. Uh, April 20th, 1999, Jordan, Columbine happens. Oh. Yeah, you know what, though? I have to say, it was good that they solved the problem and there was never another school shooting. Yeah, I'm glad we're over that now. <laughs> it's terrible. Dark days, Jordan. Yeah, dark, dark days. days. Thanks for bringing that one up. Well, what about this? June 1st, 1999, Napster created. Oh, Napster. You know what's funny? I remember, I don't I think it was Napster. I remember sitting with my friend by his computer, and he's like, you wouldn't believe this. And we sat there watching him download one song. <laughs> it was taking forever. Which Metallica song did you get? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> December 31st, 1999, Jordan, Boris Yeltsin resigns. Mm, yeah, yeah. He liked drinking. Also ushered in the era of Putin. Yeah, it was all good times after that. Everything went got better after 1999. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. August 7th, 2000, Jordan, Deviant Art launches. Deviant Art. Oh, the, like the the website where you like people just put up stuff. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Still around today. November 2nd, 2000, first resident crew arrives on the International Space Station. Hmm. So, like, um, uh, uh, that means from different countries, you mean? Or it just means the it's the first crew that's going to live up there for an extended period of time. I see. They finished sort of assembling, and now this is the first crew who's going to live up there. Right. The Shea Lounges had been assembled. Yeah, all the Shea Lounges were up there. Brought up from France, I believe they did. <laughs> <laughs> January 9th, 2001, iTunes launches. Wow, iTunes. Man, I actually, iTunes was awesome for a while. Then they really wrecked it. Apple Music sucks, but iTunes was great for a time. A mere 15 years later, a little podcast called Continuum Drag would premiere on <laughs> Oh, that's right. Sorry. Apple Music doesn't suck. Uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> January 5th, 2001, Jordan, Wikipedia launches. Interesting. And January 20th, 2001, George W. Bush Jr. becomes president of the United States. Everyone loves him. No notes. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't isn't it funny? I was talking about this with someone. Uh, uh, I, if anyone interested, in, I guess American politics. Doesn't George Bush? He just seems so folksy and fun now. We look back. <laughs> it was such a horrible time, and now I know. I'm just like, oh man, if only we could go back. That's what I mean. It's just like it wasn't so bad, was it? It was, but it was bad. Yeah. All right, Jordan. Now here, this is for you. There were, of course, two Academy Award ceremonies during mm. the ser- run of the series. Oh, I'm not as good at these later years. 71st in 1999. Who do you think won the best picture? I think it was um, uh, uh, 99. Oh, I, I think 98 was uh, um, the year before was uh, that Shakespeare in Love, I think. And ni- uh, I'm going to guess 99 was uh, Saving Private Ryan. It was Shakespeare in Love. Oh, God, I did it again. And the 72nd in the year 2000, best picture was? In 2000? Best picture was, oof, what was 2000? It's got the actor you love to talk about. You've talked about him in like every podcast this year. Gene Hackman? <laughs> Who do I talk about every year? The actor I talk about all the time. I know in the, I can think of two recent episodes you've brought this actor up. I don't know. What movie was it? I'm going to say Gladiator. Did that win best picture? It was American Beauty. Oh, Kevin Spacey. No, we did. We were talking about Kevin Spacey before we started recording. Oh, my mistake. You do like to bring him up, though. <laughs> do I bring Kevin Spacey up a lot? 
I think you did. Uh, this is this is not the first time we've talked about him in the recent history. It was American Beauty. That's what you said. That was Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Bonus points. Bonus round for you, Jordan. Okay. <laughs> Who hosted these two Oscars? Oh, I think this was during the weird. This was during a weird time period where they they still didn't know who the host was going to be. I'm going to guess. Well, I think one of them was when it was like Steve Martin and like Alec Baldwin. I think hosted them one year. Is that one of them? No. 2000. I don't think they brought Billy Crystal back, did they? Uh, 1999. Whoopi Goldberg. 2000. Billy Crystal. Oh, they still were bringing him back, huh? All right, and finally, Jordan. There were a few continuing reg TV movies and TV shows oh, no. and a miniseries that we've watched during the run of uh, First Wave. Mm. Can you think of any of them? You can give up at any time. I'll tell you them at some point. I would say, um, was did that with that one um, 1998? I'm going to guess uh, Freaky Links was on. Correct. Freaky Links is one of them. October 6, 2000. I'm going to guess, um, was Threshold on? Threshold was not on. That's much later. Mm. That's much later. In 2000. I don't know. Give me... I, I can only think of Freaky Links. Well, in uh, September 15, 1998, very much around the time, I think a week after this one premieres, is Ultraviolet, that UK vampire oh, series. Oh, wow. What a better show. A few months later, in October 8, 1988, there's the TV movie I Married a Monster. <laughs> that was not good. And then also that month, October 8, 1988, I think the same day, Harsh Realm premieres. Harsh Realm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And was Harsh Realm also shot in Canada? It was, yes. Yeah. So they might have been, they might have been battling for crews. <laughs> Very possible. March 3rd, 2000, the TV movie Codename Phoenix is uh, screened. Oh. I never would have remembered that, Codename Phoenix. And finally, December 3rd, 2000, the miniseries, Frank Herbert's Dune. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would have been the same time. Hmm. Wow. Wow. This is a pretty uh, busy time for TV we've watched. We've watched a lot of stuff in this era. In this era. Yeah, for busy for us, anyway. All right, Jordan, you ready to go? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Episode one, pilot. Here's the IMDb summary for season one, episode one, subject 117. After having disturbing visions and finding a dead man of suicide, whom was in one of his visions, Cade's life is suddenly turned upside down. His house bugged, credit cards not working, job gone, and his wife terrified to even go home. Things go from bad to worse. <laughs> Who wrote that? That was courtesy of Anana Domus. Oh, uh, Anana Domus. That's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Um, it's pretty much got the most of the points though, I think. You know, this is like um it's funny that there's like uh this is an alien thing because for all intents and purposes in this pilot, it's not really. I mean it's it's the lead into it. It's a really uh it's it's an interesting pilot actually. It doesn't really get going into what the series is gonna be till very late in the game. I would agree. It sort of breaks a, a lot of the rules of the pilot, like it's not introducing a lot of characters. It's not really giving you the world. It's just doing a real setup for that. Um, can, can I ask you, and I don't know if you know this, this, uh, I'm not even saying this is necessarily bad, but this episode has a very fast pace, I'd say to it, almost to a fault where it's like nothing can breathe for a second, where it just seems like there's scene, 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 and they keep going without really even a lot of connective tissue. And I don't know if there was this was longer at one point or it was made to be something else but it just felt like maybe there was an editing problem with it did you feel that way 
I don't think so. It just felt no, uh, like it was a really fast thriller. They're just like, it's all coming at you fast. Maybe that's what it was supposed to be. It was just supposed to be feeling. But I was just a lot of times I was like, and why is he here now? There was like one thing. He's like, oh, I got to go over see a fence. Uh, I got to go here. I'm like, oh, okay. Just take a second. Take a breath. I will give it this. It never slows down. You're never, you're never no. bored in this, in this pilot. I um, agree. But Jordan, I have a big question for you. Mm-hmm. Did you know there are 117 human archetypes? <laughs> they decided that for this. Yeah. Well, the aliens decided that for us. <laughs> The aliens decided. Yeah, that's the big. That's the big um, uh, kind of reveal at the end of this episode. Is that aliens have decided there's 117 archetypes of human personalities. I guess is what it is. Yeah, it's funny. It's not even at the end of the episode. They literally introduce us right at the top. It's just like aliens are standing over a guy. They're like, "We're doing an invasion. We're that's gonna right. kill 19 million people, but we need to do these experiments on the 117 archetypes first. And um, as they say, they're testing to determine. The depth of human will in the face of cruel adversity. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I didn't know if that held up so well because it's an interesting idea, but I, it's almost more like that should have been the big reveal at the end of the series or something. Like, what was the reason they were doing? They were just trying to push people to the limits because they seem to do the same thing to everyone, which is like they make them lose their job and they cut off their credit cards. Yeah, like, that's eh. cruel. That's cruel adversity. There's nothing crueler, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we've all been there. And our hero is Cade Foster, and he's uh, the final test subject, 117. Is Cade Foster the coolest name we've had for a lead? It's a pretty good. He's very much in the uh, Jake Cardigan school of hero. I agree. He's like, uh, women like him. He's he's tough. He's, 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 he'll pretty much win every, any fight. And he's, uh, uh, although, you know what, I'll say this. Uh, Jake Cardigan's a little bit funnier. I agree. He's very self-serious. Yeah, Kate, Kate, Kate doesn't, he, he's, he's never enjoyed a stand-up special, you know? To be fair, it's a tough episode for him. He's got a lot it's going true. on. Yeah. I don't know if you heard Jordan, but it goes from bad to worse for him. <laughs> it does. There's at one part he gets his credit cards cut up, let me tell you. Um, his backstory is pretty good, though, or at least funny to me, is at some point we'll learn this through the episode, because we get these all chats out, but he, he's essentially a former juvenile delinquent who was known as the best Brankin Enterman in Cook County before he turned 18. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. They sort of drop that in later because you're going to find out um, in a few scenes that he uh, works as uh, like for a security company and he's a salesperson for the security company, essentially selling people on the operating system. That's a, a superior system. And he sort of worked his way into the job because, again, he has this past as a what do you call it, like a thief, a burglar sort of thing. Um, yeah, well, it, he, they say he was convicted of 37 thefts. And three bank heists, all before eighteen, Jordan. <laughs> well, they don't—they don't have young offenders in uh, in the states, Jordan. But he's an expert forger and a master of disguise. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I like that they set that up because it's like, okay, good. He's going to be your—he's um, uh, going to be able to get out of scenarios, and they kind of have that be a thing later on. And I actually thought it was a pretty good scene when he gets captured later. But I almost feel like they don't use it enough like it's like they've given him this these tools and these skills but then it's not really a thing at least as i think through the series i don't think it's like every time he's gonna have to you know break into a vault or something yeah they're really setting up like a very taken sort of i have a i have a certain set of skills sort of thing but yeah it doesn't feel like his character desperately needed them to like do the things he's going to do agreed it like i think it could be enough if it was like actually weirdly talking about jake cardigan and tech war a similar sort of thing like he had fallen on bad times and now he sort of reformed himself. It's that same sort of character arc. Um, but yes, it, it, for whatever reason they have him like he's a master yeah. locksmith. 
Well, and and so as forth. you said, like when we meet him, he's now like a happily married law abiding citizen. And that's kind of that's our setup. It's just like he's an average guy Luke. just trying to get by. And he's very and, happily married. And the aliens, as they say at this opening scene, uh, have rated him with an 8% warrior probability. <laughs> Is that what they said? I sort of, that opening scene, I wasn't like, I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. They'll explain later, which they do. <laughs> yes, they've, they've rated him with an 8% warrior probability. But he's now, in this opening scene, strapped into a chair in a psych ward. Uh, and the aliens have been surprised by how long he's lasted for the test. And they're going to have him sent off to be dissected to figure out what makes this one so special. Um and uh, we haven't mentioned it yet, but all the aliens, Jordan, they look like people. So you can't tell them apart from the average man. Yeah, um, it doesn't cost any more to have them be aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no fake noses here. Just so you know, it's a very invasion of the body snatchers. There are aliens, they're coming, but you really mm -hmm. can't tell them apart from the average human being. Mm -hmm. And after this little opening tease of like, what's happened to this poor man, Cade? We cut to three days earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Three days earlier, and it's. I think this is him uh, showing him as a salesman for this uh, security company. Oh, you know what? I wrote down Viceroy. Viceroy yes, is the company. Yes, yes. This is where you get to meet his cool guy credentials, where he uh, yeah. he's talking to this boardroom of people about their security, and they're like, we just got new locks. I don't think we need your fancy security <laughs> system. Um, and he picks up a he picks up a sculpture that's sitting near the boardroom table and like smashes open a, a, a what do you call it a safe on the wall and he's just like yeah. don't you yeah he he's yeah he smashes off like like the handle and then he like picks the lock and opens it and he's like new locks you say and I'm like oh man he has many skills at least one Jordan I had a real problem watching the scene not a problem exactly but a real panicked moment uh, that sculpture he picks up to smash the lock with. I have a nearly identical one. Oh, do you really? It's unrelated. I it's a friend of my partner is a sculptor who like uses old auto parts to build sculptures, and I think the production designer must have found like a similar piece of a car and just like this looks like a sculpture because I he picked it up and it's like I I that's the sculpture in my home. <laughs> why, why does he have it? <laughs> um, I thought you were gonna say you just you hate seeing art be destroyed and you were sure it was going to get get broken you just couldn't take it i just oh yeah i turned it off i didn't watch any more journey you have to tell me what happened there <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah it's a scene just to introduce him and actually you know what i'd say it's pretty effective it works pretty well but the really main part of the scene is not only to introduce him as this sort of um cool guy kind of cool guy smooth on his feet and that he you know he's very confident but also that it has the first um instance of him having a hallucination yeah, yeah. Pretty good hallucination, though. He reaches into his briefcase to pull out the device he wants to show the people. And when he pulls it out and looks down, it's a severed head. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's almost not even entirely. It's like it's a little deflated, too. Well, the neck, the neck yeah. is flapping. Is <laughs> yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. That was pretty good. I was also just like, I'm like, is this what's happening? OK, yeah. So, so he sort of he sort of freaks out for a moment, um, but then it recovers um, and we're going to find out later on in the next scene, he sort of has a lunch with like, I guess they're co-workers and we find his wife. I think they're co-workers, maybe, maybe friends. friends. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's at dinner with a group of people anyway. And, uh, uh, yeah. And he's just like, and he basically was like, uh, this happened. He's like, and then I made the sale and they're like, nice. That's why I thought maybe they were his co-workers. Cause if like a friend just told me about a sale, I'd be like, yeah, it's a boring story. But, it's so, um, go ahead. Sorry. It, it's such a funny scene too. Cause he tells them about this severed head hallucination he had in the middle of the meeting and he tells him he's like i have these i have these hallucinations all the time all while he's writing the number 19 over and over again a piece of paper 
everyone at the table is like, this is the funniest story I've ever heard. So funny. Your mental illness makes me laugh. <laughs> True. And then his wife's basically like a little upset and she's like, come talk with me. They walk off. They walk off and there was a scene which I thought I kind of was disappointed it wasn't just like a non sequitur. As he's walking off, the waiter comes over and goes, sir, uh, your credit card got, got declined. And he's like, run it again. And the guy's like, yeah, we did. And the bank told me to cut it up. And he's like, I'll deal with it later. And I know, just keep I leaving. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wait a minute. No, no, you can't. And the waiter's just like, oh, I guess that's an answer. And I was like, but you've just left your friends to pay, I guess. Um, but it's the important part important part is he goes over talks to his wife she's basically like i'm worried about you he's like don't be worried about me and you then you know i've had these hallucinations yeah. forever they give they give a walk and then they cut to them in like his cool red convertible they're you like know, running he's, cool. around. he's got a red convertible yeah. <laughs> they like they like run out and like are kind of kissing like you can tell like they're they're really in love and then it just cuts right to it like a slow motion sex scene it is a very specific trope yeah, that is like all these trademarks of this like a perfect male life of just like beautiful yeah. wife, successful job, red, classic convertible car. But at the same time, like I'm watching, I'm just like I'm like okay, now who's the character is? But as I was watching, I'm just like wait, whose whose idea of the perfect life is this? Like I'm just like I don't care about any of the things he has. Well, it is also funny too because I think they have to have that scene in. I think part of it, you could say like oh, it's part of him showing he has a happy, loving. Uh, relationship so when it when it goes away it's a bad thing but i think to your point what it really is establishing is like he's also a like fully sexualized person um he's this man's man do you know what i mean like i think there's there it's just supposed to be that like he, you're right everything you want isn't it so everything you want you want a cool he's job a husband a but he's not like you he's not henpecked he's got it all <laughs> he's not like you he's got spiky hair He's got a nice car, not like your minivan, you <laughs> dummy. <laughs> I wish I had a minivan. I could carry a lot of stuff. At any rate, so you're right. We've, we've now established, like, perfect yes. life, perfect guy. Everything's going great. Um, but as soon as he's finished having sex, he gets a call to come into his office after hours. He made the big sale, but his boss is firing him because someone has sent in his old criminal record. His sealed juvenile criminal record. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, we should say he does hallucinate one more time. The same guy oh, in the true. bedroom. He sees the same guy who's got like a scar on his face and a mustache. So he's th- he's his he's head's on his to... body now. Yes, yeah, head's on his body. He's like standing there watching them have sex. But yes, he gets a call and he's basically like is called into his um called into his boss and his boss is like basically what it is is that he lied his way into the job and the boss is to be fair he doesn't handle it in a nice way but he does have a point which is. All your credentials are fake, though. Thus, we can't really trust you. Um, which is is weird, though. That they're like that. Was um, it the credentials, or was it just they didn't know he had a criminal record? No, it was it was everything. It was basically like he like he like lied about his you know whatever his schooling or experience or whatever it is, um, and then also obviously hid his past because he didn't have that. So he sort of talked his way into a job, and so they're basically like we can't keep you here, which is weird because he also was like you're our best salesman. You think they would have been like, look, he did lie about stuff, but. He's a great worker. Can't we like give him a chance? You would think that conversation happened, but obviously that's part of this, this uh, uh, series His of events. Schooling and credentials to be salesman. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. The point is really though that like the boss is mean and wants to fire him. I do like that the boss even just like some security companies might think it's an asset to have an ex criminal on their staff to show people that they have someone who knows how breaking artists work. Not us. I'm like okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I, I, I won't say any, anything more than this, but I think we've talked about this, uh, uh, obviously not recording, but I know someone who <laughs> got caught doing stuff and was hired by a security company in, in a similar way. Yeah, man, it happens all the time. Yeah, I guess. Not Viceroy, though. Not Viceroy. Yeah, so um, anyways, it basically, it's it's now, oh no, something is happening. My credit cards have declined and I've lost my job. You see, it's, a, it's now a series of things are happening to him. Yeah, he goes back home and he finds out his whole house is broken into. The number 19 is written all over all the walls. He finds his wife hiding in the bathroom. Someone's broken in. They're like, something weird's going on. But you know what, what I love, what though, is Luke? It? The beginning of the ransack, he knows uh, the house. There's something wrong with the house. Did you see? Because there's like huge footprints going up to his door. No, that's I like, true. I was like, why were there big footprints? It's not like it's not like the place had been burned and then there's ash footprints or something. It's just like someone left really dirty footprints going up to his house. <laughs> like, they stepped okay. a real big puddle off screen. Well, it's just great because it's also like he has to follow the footprints home. I'm like, he knows how to get there. It's it's very it's it's very funny. Like the 19s written all over the house, like he's writing the paper. His wife's terrified, so yeah. he grabs his old break and enter tools and heads back to his boss's office to figure out who sent that criminal record. And that's got to be a clue to what's happening to him. And he finds, of course, that a, a police officer had sent the records to the thing. So uh, Kate... well, he think what it is is he he assumes this police officer sent the records because he finds um, the police's uh, the officer's business card. Attached, uh, in, yes. In, yeah, attached with the file. So he he uh, infers it must have been this guy who sent the files. And you'd think, what's the next step of this mystery? Why? It must be talking to this cop. But you're wrong. Next step of this mystery is turning around and going back home. So he left the break yeah. in his home. His terrified wife's there. He's just like, I know you're freaked out. I know someone wrote in what looks like blood 19 over the house. I'm going to leave for a few minutes. I'll be back in a bit. And he comes home and his wife is furious with him. She's like, where yeah. did you go? Why do you have your break-in tools with you? What's going on? I'm just like, wait, so you left her in break-in house. You didn't call the cops. And you also didn't like tell her like what you were going. I'll give this. She's got a very good point. She's basically like, you said you're never going to do this again. You've also left me in in, in this house that's still like ramshackle. Um, however, um, she's a really bad actress. So it's it's hard to take her seriously. I mean, she's not given much. She's like, you're shrill. That's that's your character. Fair enough. Fair enough. At any rate, he uh, he tells her also as he walks back in and gets yelled at for like leaving her in the broken house. He's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, while I was out breaking into my boss's office, I also happened to notice that all our bank accounts have been drained. I was just like, what What stop did you make on the way? So he broke it, and later he stopped midway through to check their accounts. But you know what I like? I like that how disjointed this sounds if someone's listening to this right now. You're like, this seems like a lot of scenes just happening right after another. It's like, that is what this show is like. It's just yeah. like, they just keep throwing stuff at you, and it's stuff like that. He's like, yeah, your bank is done. Anyways, move on. Anyway, he leaves his wife once more in the broken down house. That's right. And goes to confront the cop who sent the criminal file to his boss, the one he thinks he does. And when he gets Sam Hitchens. Sam Hitchens. And when he gets there, the uh, boss's wife is at the door. She's terrified. She's called 911. She's just like, please come in. Uh, I don't know who you are, but my husband's locked himself upstairs with a gun. I, I'm waiting for the cops to come. Can you please try to like talk about... And he's like, what's going on? He's like, you don't understand. My, my husband, he's having hallucinations. Our bank accounts have been drained. Someone needs to help him. And and it's it's funny because yeah they give all that information you're like oh no something similar is happening but what I like is they actually didn't have the scene I thought they were gonna have because what I thought it was gonna be was he goes in talks the guy down um and sort of like you get this like guess he's this yeah, everyman hero sort of thing but he's like hey are you up there and the guy's like yeah leave me alone and he's like I'm coming up and the guy kills himself 
Yeah, just immediately a gunshot. He's dead. Cade yeah. walks in, sees it's the same severed head man from his hallucinations. Yeah. Um, and and then um, basically sees like a bunch of like clippings on the desk that I think has a picture of like the former mayor. Who... No, I believe what it is is there's the the policeman seems to have been doing an investigation of his own into perhaps his own hallucinations that mm-hmm. has led him to newspaper clippings about the uh, about as he's describing the newspaper millionaire Mayhew who killed his whole family and was committed to a psych ward. Oh, it's millionaire millionaire Mayhew. Yeah, right. Millionaire Mayhew. Right, and you know, there's there's one little thing that's it doesn't really matter, but um, it, so the guy, it, it's you know, it's a sad thing. The guy's commit suicide. He shot himself. I think in the chest is where he shot himself, and he's like clearly slumped over dead. And uh, Kate's just like looking at stuff, and the wife comes in, and he looks at the wife and just shakes his head like, "Yeah, he's dead." I'm like, "Yeah, she knows. <laughs> she knows he's dead." <laughs> but what I did like to, as Kate leaves, as Kate leaves the body, he like. Looks over and is like, oh, there's the, there's his badge. Oh, I probably need that later. Let me just take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And that's his. Uh, um, who was it that did that all the time? Who was like always. There was another show we've watched where they always sort of like were pretending to be. I'm, I, know, I know Auto Man did it, but I think it was maybe. Um, uh, what was the show where the guy was invisible? Did he always pretend to be a detective? No, he just pretended to be invisible. I think. <laughs> that's, I always mix those two up. He just used to take off his clothes and say I'm invisible now. That's right. I always I just mix the that being and being detective, I mix those up. Anyway, Cade heads over to visit millionaire Mayhew, who's been restrained in this psych ward, and uh, I think an orderly's walking there because he's using the police badge to like yeah. talk his way in. And this and there's this orderly who just like thinks everything's funny. He's just like, be careful in there. He bit off a nurse's finger yesterday. And he's like having a good laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, they're old old nine finger, the nurse, yeah. And, um, you know, Kate interviews him. This guy has the same issues. He has hallucinations. Someone stole $35 million from him. Yeah, but this guy does seem, um, uh, not obviously someone killing themselves or not in a good place. Um, but he seems a little unhinged. This he does guy. seem a little unhinged. And what Mayhew tells Kate is that, like, he lost all that money, but, you know, he's obviously still filthy rich. So he hired a bunch of people to try to track down who stole his money. And what he kind of discovered was, like, his home was full of, filled with surveillance cameras. And he was able to find a bunch of clues as to the, like, um, identity of the people who had been doing this to him. And he's, he ended up burying his clues in the hedge maze behind his house. You know, classic right. millionaire stuff. Yeah. And it's under, like, a, um, a, a ruby red eye, I think is what they say. Ruby red eye, George. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I just like it. It's just so fast. So it's like... Uh, He's like, great. That seems that seems like all the information I need. But he, but then the guy also mentions that um, uh, he had found that his place had been uh, was under surveillance. There was like cameras and stuff. Yes, hidden. yes. So, so uh, Cade. Well, uh, Cade. I, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to note too. Uh, he tells him all this, and Cade's like, "Oh, this is all good information. Thank you." And he's like, "Oh yeah. By the way, um, Mayhew was just like, by the way, it's an alien invasion. Um, the aliens replaced my family. That's why I murdered them all." That's right. And then he starts going crazy. He's just like, and maybe you're an alien. Maybe I should kill you too. And he starts like freaking out. And Kate's just like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go now. See you later. And, and what would you say at this point? Do you think it's a halfway in the episode? I would say it's about halfway, Mark. But it's, it's taken this long close. for them to sort of go, hey, by the way, it's aliens. And you go, oh, there's been, I mean, I know the opening scene. But really, other than like, because you didn't know if that was a hallucination or not. There's not really any indication 
that there's aliens. It seems more like um, obviously X Files was um, aliens in, in in parts of it, but there does seem like almost this is more like a conspiracy of some sort, um, which it also is. It just it just it, when they, he was like aliens, I was like, oh okay. Well, they, sure. this is the thing is they tell you right off the bat it's aliens. They're like, what you're really interested though is the conspiracy. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. And and again, we we've said this before about other shows, but I think um you know generationally there's large shows that have these waves that affect what other TV shows are in the air and you could just feel the X-Files through so many shows and it's definitely in this too, which is like aliens, conspiracies and running around trying to solve these mysteries. It's just it, you could just feel the X-Files coming out of this. Definitely got those vibes for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cade returns home. His wife is still unhappy with him. Desperately wants him to go get to see a professional for his mental illness. Um, he starts looking for surveillance cameras. He starts looking for surveillance cameras. So I, I will say this. At this point, it's starting to strain this poor wife's character because it's like all their money's gone. Someone wrote 19 all over the walls. It's His mental illness doesn't seem to be like the forefront of the problem in their life right now. But as you say... Cade's looking for surveillance cameras. He notices the shower head in their bathroom, which always leaks, is no longer leaking, and it pulls out a camera out of it. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, see, do you believe me now? And now he's just, she's like, I guess so. I guess I believe you. Yeah. So they, so he's like, you know what we should do? Now that you believe me, you've seen the camera. I'm not crazy. I've got to go to a maze where Rich Guy has buried um, all the answers under the ruby red eye. And she's like, yeah, okay, I'll go do it. Let's and go. so they do. Yeah, so they go to this, and I like, though, that um, they've decided that it has to be a maze, but, like, I don't know if they just didn't have a large enough maze for the actual set or whatever it is, but it's, there's no reason for it to be a maze. It's not like it's not like they have to, like, uh, go through and answer questions three or meet the Minotaur or something. It's just like, they're like, hey, it's a maze, and then they're like, oh, there it is. There's the middle. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I think we cut to them already in the middle of the maze. Yeah. And so they so they start like, whoa, this is where we're supposed to be. They start digging. And I think it's the wife who actually finds it. They like rub off some dirt and they see the 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 big, big, thick ruby, which is like four or five inches thick. Um, and it's like a, a like a, um, a stone. They move the stone and they start digging. They find there's a big container under the container. And in the container is Nostradamus's book. Can you believe it? His diary or whatever it is. An original copy. 1564, it says inside. Yeah. And uh, the millionaire may who's marked a passage that just says a twice blessed man will be the savior of mankind and jordan you'll never guess who that twice blessed man is yeah i'm 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 hoping for all of our sakes with his skills it's cade yeah me too (laughs) is it cade is his name cade yeah it's cade cade foster anyway Kate's like, let's go back. Let's talk to Millionaire Mayhew one more time at the psych ward just to, you know, tell him what we found. They get back there. Millionaire Mayhew has killed himself in the meantime. A lot of suicides this episode. Yeah, you're right. And the the the, the orderly is, is uh, he's, he's not too worried about it. No, no, no. He lets Kate go into the room, though, and Kate starts, like, poking around to see if he can find any clues before he leaves. And I, he does eventually find, like, Millionaire Mayhew has tied a tiny little note onto a string that he's tied to his chair that just reads number 19 Haven Street. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, unfortunately for Cade while he's doing this though um, some really creepy looking orderlies have like started accosting his wife uh, in scenes he's not privy to but when he walks out his wife seems fine very strange Jordan mm-hmm. but what I like is we cut to so they basically she uh, he says like we've got to go home and she's like I don't feel safe going home he's like okay I know what we'll do we'll go to a motel so they go to a motel they say that then they cut to them in the motel and they're just like naked in bed they're just laying in bed. And Jordan, 
To be fair, his wife seems a bit off. He can tell something's not quite yeah. right with her. But he'll deal with that after they have sex. <laughs> so so they start they start kissing. Um, uh, it starts getting, as you would like to say, it starts getting a little hot and heavy. And, uh, and, uh, he notices, he notices her neck is sort of like moving, like it's sort of bulging, like as if there's something underneath trying to get out is basically what it looks like. Um, it looks pretty good. And then, and then he's like, well, that's weird. A tentacle pops out and it's not like a small tentacle. It's like a, like a Python comes out, starts strangling him. Well, and like, she's, she's still on the bed. He's on top of her and it's just strangling. There's like four or five the... tentacles. There's just so many tentacles. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, and it's just, and and I like, I actually liked about the scene. It's not like he like fights his way out; it just chokes him out. Yeah, I mean, once once you're surrounded by tentacles, Jordan, it's all over. <laughs> and I was just like, my note right is, I have an on bolt. What is happening? Because I was just like, well, what? <laughs> they can do that now. Here's the thing, too. It's just like, as you said, it's just like they've said they're aliens, but it's like. Just like it's just like a matter of fact, like aliens, they're they look like us, whatever. What's important is this conspiracy. And then out of nowhere we meet the first like alien in alien form, and it's just a tentacle monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but there's a so a weird thing happens though. So that happens and then um and I think I think I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I know what's happened here. So he wakes up. No, yes, sorry. He's been choked she, out. So, so he's been choked out. We see then it cuts to the wife running down the stairs, um, and we see those two creepy people again. Then they there's a shot of her in the trunk of a car. Then, uh, then we cut to them putting her on the floor, and when he wakes up. So what I th- I guess has happened is they've murdered his wife, his real wife, have kept her in the car, had the tentacle alien uh, doppelganger choke him out. And then replace them. That's what they've done, right? Correct. Right. So when he wakes up and he's like, he checks her and he's like, oh no, she's dead. And he's very upset. And then I like, just at that time, um, cops break in, which I guess someone called because, I don't know, they heard all the commotion of the choking earlier? I assume the aliens called the police as well. Okay. So maybe the aliens called the police. So the two cops get in and they basically put the gun on him and like, you know, you're under arrest. Uh, you've killed your wife sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and, but it, Luckily for us, as viewers and, and big Cade fans, you call yourself a Cade head. He just beats up both cops. I call myself a Cadian. A Cadian. A Cadian. That's funny. He uh, uh, he just beats them up and gets away. Exactly. I mean, he's a man with certain set of skills. Yeah, he beats up two cops. No problem. I'm going to say this, Jordan. One place the show tricked me, I think, is in the original break-in, when he comes home, there's 19 written over the house. It's all in red and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure he's going to come home and his wife had been murdered and that was her blood all over the walls i like mm. i was just like because when i first met her and she's like he's in the perfect life i'm like well that's her days are numbered if she's the perfect wife yeah i thought so too and then when she was hiding in the bathroom still alive i was just like oh maybe she's a regular character then like they didn't kill her maybe she's a regular character and then like 20 minutes later she's dead i'm like well oh, that character she wasn't gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> um i want one other thing i want to add when he when he leaves <laughs> when he escapes the police and jumps into his car i love that they they had to add the scene where for no reason he jumps into his like a corvette or whatever it is and he just like does donuts in the parking lot for a few minutes just to create some like tire smoke and then drives away i was like there was no reason for that it's just cool <laughs> gotta burn out man <laughs> but now that he's uh he's away from the cops he knows something's up his wife is dead his bank account is frozen he's lost his job he's on the run from the cops but he has that address that he took from the guy who killed himself in the uh the psych ward millionaire mayhew 
Millionaire Mayhew. And uh, the address is a real damp building. Yeah, a real abandoned looking school. I <laughs> Yeah, so it's and I I have a uh, I don't know if you feel this, but I, ha- I have a feeling in the next episode we watched, uh, which is episode eighteen, uh, he goes through this like kind of abandoned sort of like hospital. I think it's the same place. I think it's the same location. I mean, you just redress it; it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it just looked the same. It just looked like this dark kind of damp thing. I'm like, I think you guys went to the same place. But what's important is inside this building is a glowing white room covered in posters of all hundred and seventeen subjects. Actually, you know what? And I thought that looked pretty cool because what it is is so you see him with like a flashlight going through this very dark sort of like damp. Like, again, it's like he's kind of splashing through water. And then he goes into it like a superly overly lit room, like overexposed white room. So you can kind of like it's almost like ethereal and like like heaven like sort of thing. Um, and he's going through. But, yeah, they have it like almost like um, it was a dark room with all the photos hanging up on the string. And uh, what he sees is it's, it's 117 different people. Um, and that will have like their picture and then sort of like a little bio under under them. And then it, what I like is someone has stamped on it, like their status and they'd be like dead or whatever. Um, and I think, I can't remember what it said, um, but the, the cop who had, uh, killed himself, it didn't say like suicide or something like that. It was like, it was like, took care of himself. It was like something to that effect. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a little cold. Um, but then he of course finds his own, his own picture, uh, 117. He sort of freaks out. And he's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. So he kind of grabs a few of them. I think like three or five or something. Yeah, he starts and then, grabbing some posters down. Yeah, and he just grabs them and runs out. And as soon as he runs out, the cops have arrived. They arrest him, and he's like, guys, like he's trying to like you know make his case as they like kind of pin him pin him against the car. And he's like, guys, like look look at the photos. Like I'm not crazy. And the one cop pulls out the photos he's he's pulled uh he's pulled from the room. And what they sort of look like is more like like sort of Rorschach paintings. Would you yeah, say like all the ink has bled off them or something? Yeah, so they you, they don't look like anything. He just looks like he's cuckoo. And then we hard cut to a voiceover yeah. of a judge sensing Cade to a psych ward for the murder of his wife. So theoretically, months have happened in between. Yeah. It said three days later, but there's no way a judge put you into like a psych ward and you had a trial in like the 12 hours after you were there's, caught. There's no time. There's no time on this show, Luke. And of course, we return to the opening of the of the episode where the aliens are standing around talking about how great Cade is and how he almost he got to the end of their maze. Nineteen Havens, the end of their maze. He's the first subject to ever get that but far. Don't don't and, you uh, think that that's the thing? I, I kind of I like the idea of like they've put him through these obstacles, but we don't really see that in this. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they they talk about it, but we didn't see him have to go through. In an inordinate amount of suffering, obviously his wife has died. I'm not trying to diminish that, but it's not like he had to scale a building. And it's then not had... David Fincher's The Game. Exactly, exactly. Like it's 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 just like a, a series of events have happened. He he didn't show anything, um, uh, any any specific endurance or anything that they would have tested. But Jordan, we do get some new information in this scene. His nine percent warrior probability rating <laughs> it's ballooned to ninety seven percent. Yeah, I don't know what that means, though. How are you testing that? <laughs> Who knows? I was just like, what? And their aliens are like, if there are more humans like him, they might stand a chance. Let's get him to dissection quickly. Mm-hmm. So I have a question, though. They mention at one point, um, and they just come out and say, like, oh, he's having hallucinations because they gave him psycho, uh, psychotropic ju- drugs or whatever you call them. Um, but here's I had a couple questions. Just because you gave someone a, a, a drug doesn't mean they're going to have the hallucination you want them to have, right? I mean, they're alien drugs, Jordan. Who's to say? Okay, okay, I'll allow it. 
Um, and then they, <laughs> they, they say his wife was a genetic duplicate, which we've seen. Um, so they cannot. So do you think they're all the aliens have replaced other people or do you think they've come up with new bodies? Well, like, the are they are, they, are these like, they are they like could, a shell? The implication is they can replace people for sure. Right. Um, but I don't know if that means everyone we are seeing used to be a person that the aliens have taken over or what the deal is. I guess they're not right. the same person because you're right. They made a new copy of her so they can make right. new copies of people. Yeah, they make copies. So I'm assuming every time we see an alien, they've replaced someone at one point. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's probably easier than you don't have to come up with like, you don't have to get a driver's license printed. You don't have to do right. all that work. That's a lot easier. Yeah. You have time to more to test the test uh, the human will. But Jordan, if you were worried this was the end of the episode, that Cade was <laughs> done for, he's going to get dissected. You don't know Cade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't know Cade. He faked swallowing those drugs they gave him. So he's not really wonked out of his mind. Um, and as soon as they leave the room, he busts out of his chair writes the number 19 on the chair just to show them, hey, guess what? Yeah. 19, I am on I, to you. I had a question about that because it was a real quick shot because he's sort of like, yeah, and here's, you know, I should say, this is the scene where it makes sense that he's a um, uh, sort of master thief pick, uh, whatever, an artist who can like pick locks and stuff um, because he breaks out his restraints really easily. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. But yeah, he writes 19 on his chair as like a, like a, there you go, guys. But what did he, what does he write it in? I'll be honest, it looks like he left Skittles in the shape of the number That's 19. That's what I thought. It looked like he left Skittles. So I miss- Oh, you know what I think it's supposed to be? And now that we're talking about it, I think it's supposed to be the pills that he didn't swallow. Oh, there's a lot I think of pills. To- I know. It's too many pills. Because we do get a scene real quick. Because like, we should say the whole time he's um, they're sort of talking to him, he's acting as if he's like being lobotomized. Yeah. So so he and then as soon as they leave the room, he like winks to the audience and spits out his pills and then breaks out his restraints. But he didn't have 19 pills in his mouth. <laughs> and anyway, he he fights an alien. He runs out. He's he's escaping the asylum. This is the end of the episode. We're like, this is the beginning of Cade's adventures. And my favorite part is as he's running out, he stops and he looks at the security camera and points directly at it and says, I know you're here. <laughs> and then yeah. like they repeat the scene over and over again. Yeah. And so he, he was talking to aliens. Yeah, he knows they're yeah. here. Yeah, okay. Anyways, um, and that was the, the, the opening episode. I would say this. I know we're, we, ha- we, have, we haven't rated them yet. Not a bad pilot. Maybe it doesn't do all the things you would think a pilot would do. But man, I can't think of something we've watched recently that has a pacing like this. Like like you said before, like say what you will about some of the acting and some of the... Um, uh, the actual plot and, and, and other things you know, people review. This thing's not boring. Yeah, yeah, it's pedal to the metal from square one, and I was just like, okie dokie, here we go. Yeah, I don't know exactly. what this show is going to be like episode to episode, but like this is quite the pilot. Right, right, which is which is my point to like a pilot. You don't you finish the episode, you're like well, that was something, but you don't know what this show is going to be. It didn't do that job of a pilot at all. It didn't. You're, I'm like, I don't know what this. What are these episodes now? Every episode, does he get tied up and have to break away? Is that what it is? I guess it's a little bit like the fugitive it's just like here's a dead wife and a man on the run but th- mm. instead of a conspiracy of people trying to frame him it's aliens i guess i guess that's a good way of putting it yeah but we're gonna now cut to because that's that's the end of that we're gonna cut i guess halfway through the season more than halfway out to episode 18 yeah this is one of the top three of the season episode 18 you want to hear the mm-hmm. summaries for it yeah let's do it here's the be summary season one episode 18 blind witness The Quatrain says one without sight sees the dark enemy. I might be insane, but she may be able to see aliens. Tell us who they are. She'd be the weapon we've been waiting for. 
human divining rod. Nostradamus tells of a possible ally <laughs> in the fight who can actually see the aliens. Foster follows up on it and investigates a hospital with dark secrets and horrific experiments. Yeah, sort of. Um, a, a couple things I'm going to say about this, because I was looking into um, uh, into the show a little bit, obviously, before we watched it. Um, and there's quite a few actors who are in multiple episodes, or about four or five of them. But I've noticed that um, some of them just start in season two and some of the season three, except for this guy who is credited as Crazy Eddie. They just call him Eddie in this show. Um, and he's played by an actor named Rob LaBelle, who I wasn't familiar with. Um, but he apparently is introduced in episode two. And then he, he is in pretty much every episode, this guy, Crazy Eddie, who is like, um, we're going to learn, he's sort of like, you wouldn't say a sidekick, would you? What would you kind of call him? He, I think, fills the trope of man in the chair. He's going to look at his computer and right. get Kate information. Right. So, and so I think what we've, what we have to, what we're saying, you know, we're jumping ahead. So there's some little bit of serialization we've missed, which is the introduce, introduction of this character. And I don't think this show is ever going to be like a team. It's not going to be that classic, you know, there's people in the office looking up stuff while our hero runs around, um, like a lot of shows we've seen. But you're right. I think it is that man in the chair where it's like, uh, if, if you need that sort of thing, he'll give a little bit of information so that we can, we can have the guy run around again. Well, I think you really see that, and we haven't discussed them at all, and we can maybe talk about it in the end, but in the title credit sequence for the show, there's only one actor credited for the entire series. It's just like the guy who mm. plays Cade, Eddie's not mentioned, there's no other side characters who are shown as regulars on the show, just the lead. Um, but I do, but yeah, you're right. As soon as we see him, I'm just like, okay, so this is clearly a side character reoccurring, in, and as you said, yeah. it looks like he's almost in every episode, so he does have this sidekick who's going to appear in this episode that we've missed the introduction of, but I, you get the idea who he is very quickly. And and they also, you're right, they, you, you know, you're like, oh, I've seen this character before. Um, and he's not bad, he's fine. I mean, he doesn't almost get any screen time, but um, and I think this episode, and I'm sure more uh, episodes after the pilot do this, this leans a lot more into the Nostradamus um, and the sort of prophecies, but what I like is, um, how shallow the reading is of it and i think that's just what probably is the show going to is going to be because obviously these are um uh, prophecies that are vague at best that were written hundreds of years ago so they have to like kind of uh, uh do some mental gymnast gymnastics to make it work and they'll just be like uh this person uh who couldn't see can see uh more than you could and he's like it must be that blind lady in the hospital i'm like okay sure that might be yeah, what he said yeah, we're really seeing the engine of the show now. It's like every episode exactly. is they're looking into um, a prophecy Nostradamus did, and they're going to figure out how, why that quatrain that they're going to read, as, as it says at the beginning of this episode, is just like, it's a voiceover from Kate at the start saying, I'm writing in my journal, and this week I'm looking into this prophecy. And then there's usually a, a voiceover at the end of him finishing his journal entry, I guess. So we get kind of that top and close monologue mm -hmm. with the introduction of what this week's Notre-Dame's quatrain is and then how they're going to interpret it. Yeah, right. And and uh, and I should say that they also say that, and I don't think they said it in the pilot, maybe I'm wrong, but this is obviously the name of the show. This is called the first wave of alien attacks and they'll be, this is the beginning of it that they're trying to stop because there's supposed to be thir three alien waves and i think it is it the third one where they were saying 19 because 19 million people were going to die i think it was in the third wave yeah it could be could be i mean the aliens did say they would kill 19 million people when they invaded so yeah so so he's trying to stop this before it happens and you're like oh that's what he was doing okay sure which again wasn't quite clear in the pilot um but that's it's you, more in this as this this episode as the series has gone along i mean here's the thing this episode 
really just gives you all the information that we missed. Like we're 18 episodes in, we've skipped all the like seven, like 16 episodes of the show. This episode does a great job just Agreed. letting you know where you are and what has happened. Like I didn't, I had no problem figuring out what was happening on the show. I was like, oh great, they've explained it all to me in the first five minutes of the episode. And and I've said this to you, probably not on the podcast, but just as you know, n- normal life. I kind of miss something about this time period in TV where things were like lightly serialized so you like you were kind of rewarded for watching but it wasn't a thing where like if you missed an episode it was such a big deal like i like the old tv show where you just would pop in on a saturday and be like yeah hey, let's see what old Cade's up to yeah yeah and this time it opens with Cade being transported to hospital he's faking a uh, diabetic shock while wearing a stolen medical alert bracelet and he's <laughs> drenched himself in malt liquor so he smells like a quote vagrant <laughs> <laughs> that's right and i was like so basically he's in uh he gets taken we, we start in like a um a paramedics are having a trouble in an ambulance sort of like restraining him so they take him to the er but the doctors are kind of focused on someone else who's much more injured and is having it's a more serious um uh sort of uh injury and so they keep kind of talking about him he's in the background so he has time to kind of fake a little bit like i think they said his levels are really dangerous but then while they're not watching he puts like a sugar cube in his mouth so to raise his levels i guess well what what they say later is eddie will come to visit him and apparently eddie what they did is um eddie got him insulin so he's not a diabetic and he just shot himself full of insulin to fuck himself up and set off the meters and now he's t- he's eating sugar cubes i guess to like rebalance his blood sugar or something i think that's the premise they're going for yeah so it's really just a quick thing to sort of um introduce how he's going to get into the scenario also introduce you to the doctor who is going to become a major character in this episode. And obviously then he goes into his like, I guess, recovery room. And He's Eddie comes observation in. for 23 hours. Right. So uh, not 24, 23. And then Eddie comes in and sort of, they have this conversation. You meet Eddie and they, and then I like how he's just like, there, there's a line. I think I'm sure you caught it too, Luke, while they're having a conversation. And he's like, he's ta- uh, Kate says to Eddie, he's like, look, you know, I killed the guy who killed my wife uh, and got my revenge, but we have to keep going. And I was like, what now? Sorry? <laughs> yeah, they, they do a great job. And it's actually a little bit different than that because what it is is he's like, I already caught the guy who killed my wife and I got payback. And Cade's just like, I'm not sure if I can do anymore. Like, I think I've done as much as I can for this. I don't know why we keep going on these adventures every week. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, and this is, of course, they talk about the passage by uh, Notre Dame. It's about like, that, like, the implication is that there's a blind person who can see aliens somewhere in this hospital. Though, yeah, and so they're like, said, they're like, we must see a bl- there must be a blind patient here somewhere. Yeah, as you said, it's so vague. Like, how would that quatrain lead them to this hospital? And like, the records don't show there's a blind person at the hospital. And like, how would they know Nostromus said like this day of this week at this hospital? It, it is funny, very cause, vague. Because you're, you're right. They it's it's the vehicle to get the episode going. But I do kind of like. Um, I'll say, I know there's huge plot holes, but I do kind of like that they're just like, guys, we know there's plot holes. Let's just get this adventure going. And I'm like, sure. It's it's well, just like, you know, it is what it is. And that's what I mean. It's kind of great. This is the first five minutes of the episode. They're like, here's what's going on. Here's this week's like adventure. And if you missed it, uh, Cade killed the guy who got, killed his wife. So like now, you know, you're, you're all caught up. Don't, did you skip 16 episodes? Don't worry. You're, yeah. you're back. You're back on board. Exactly, exactly. So, so, and then um, Eddie, in kind of classic uh, fashion of these shows, he's just like, I'm out of here. Yeah. And it's kind of fun because Eddie's like, you know, Eddie's trying to keep him involved. He's like, listen, I know you, you, I know you killed the guy who killed your wife and you're thinking about quitting this. But he's just like, I believe he says, and I think this is probably part of the vehicle of the show that we're seeing now. He's just like, every week, 
we find another bizarre alien experiment and every week we expose it and build more allies to the resistance and i was like okay so that's what's been happening all right i'm caught up <laughs> yeah but i don't i it, he, he says that but I, I don't think it's a thing where i think what it is is every episode you meet a new person who helps them in that that week and then they go away it's not like i don't think we're ever going to come back to these people you know no no i think the idea is it's just like words getting out <laughs> right right so so eddie leaves um kate's like okay well i'm gonna go find this blind patient he does a thing here and i don't know exactly what he's supposed to be doing i think i get what they're implying he's hooked up to like a heart rate monitor yeah um he does and he doesn't want he thinks if he takes he takes it off you'll hear it flatlining because it will seem like he's dead that's the point right yeah if so you take it off it, it stops getting a heart rate yeah. and the nurse comes so and checks on you he takes it off and puts it on another patient who conveniently doesn't have uh the heart monitor on so no, i think he does he just has two now <laughs> Oh, he has two? Because it started to think like for a moment, it was like beep, beep, and then he put it on. Anyways, I was like, that, that works out pretty well. So he's he's able to sneak away is really the mo- point. You see, he's he's very clever. Um, he sneaks away, um, and it does the thing that I love in these shows, which is, I, I can't remember it actually happening, but he's going around, and in, in like 10 seconds, he's dressed like a, he's dressed like a, a the doctor and i'm like well, he Great. finds he finds the he finds like whatever the place where they wash all the scrubs and he just steals a pair of scrubs although it's really weird because you know obviously we've only watched one episode now we're watching like a full episode of it and he's walking around this hospital and like there's a janitor pushing a bucket and that bucket's just like full of blood and then when he goes <laughs> to the like the place where the like the laundry is there's just also like a laundry basket that's just like dripping in blood i'm just like what is happening at this hospital well they also do mention i don't know if it was that was purpose purposeful but they do go like the hospital's not doing well. You get that at a certain right. point that things things are going poorly and things are being run badly because they introduced who is my favorite character so far. Uh, it's I would just call him Surly Doctor. You mean Doctor Markowitz? Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Markowitz. Is that was his name? They said it repeatedly. <laughs> okay. Anyways, Doctor uh, Markowitz. He he basically um, immediately they, there's this. I thought it was a pretty good scene. It's supposed to be like that, like high tension. Like he gets in an elevator with this this. Uh, doctor and you think there's gonna be the scene where the doctor's like you're not a you're not a doctor because he seems really irritated and very suspicious and what it he's is, not is, wearing shoes yeah he's irritated him because he's not wearing socks he's wearing shoes without socks and the doctor's basically like like do you have any uh care for your job like it's not sanitary you're wearing your scrubs outside and he like sort of like reprimands the guy for being like a bad doctor and i was like great and then he's basically like he's like that's why this hospital sucks so bad that's why everyone everything's bad here because people like you and, but uh, Dr. Markowitz and, does give him a fresh pair of socks and a lab coat. Yeah, which he just has on him. He's like, take these. You're fine. And then, and then he leaves. And then I think I think the, is the next scene when he goes, he, he comes back to the doctor. He's like, thanks for the socks. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he does thank him for the socks at some point. Yeah. Uh, what Kate does, though, is now that he's, he's, you know, his master of disguise has got him into this hospital. He's the perfect master of disguise, Jordan. Yeah, agreed. Except for the socks. He uh, he finds the ophthalmology chart and he's trying to look for a blind person on this and sort of in that sort of wing of the hospital or whatever. But he can't find the he can't find the door. So he stops a nurse and's like, "Where can I find this wing?" And the nurse is like, "The west wing. Why it's been closed for two years." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's odd and possibly sketchy." So he's like, "Interesting." So he goes walking through. Um, the closed part of the hospital, which is sort of like, you know, like stacked up chairs and that sort of stuff. He goes through and he finds there is a room that seems to be active. And in the room is a lady and her name is Alika. Alika. And uh, to let you know that she is blind, 
uh, or having some visual issues. I don't know what you'd say. Um, her eyes are entirely white. She looks like Jordy LaForge. Yes, yes, exactly. And um, my favorite part is like he walks in and she's just like, A, she's completely blind, but she can now see because she's recently had a surgery. And so they're like, oh, that's amazing. And she's like, but I could have smelt you anyway because you reek of malt liquor. I could smell you walking down the hallway. And as was established, she did cover himself in that to smell like a vagrant. Why did that doctor and that nurse, why weren't they bothered by this alcohol-reeking doctor earlier? They were worried more about the socks. That was a bigger problem. At any rate, what, what we get to see here is that Alika's the ally he's looking for. She's had a weird surgery that's given her partial vision. Now she's just waiting to get the final part. They're going to put corneas in the next day or something. In the next couple of days, she's going to get corneas put in. And what we see in some things is she does occasionally when she looks at like an alien doctor, she sees like their skin moving. There's something weird under their faces. So I was going to ask you that because I couldn't, because we get to see her, uh, how she sees now. And I thought it looked pretty good. It's basically like, it looks like a little bit overly lit and it's a little bit foggy, but you can still see things. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of a cool effect. But then it was like, she sees aliens differently, but I couldn't really tell in the effect. Was that what it was? It was there moving slightly. It's like there's worms under their face, like how that mm. aunt, the wife had like something pushing out of her shoulder, right. basically. Right. And so he's so he basically knows that's what the prophecy was. She's the woman. She can see aliens. She's going to help him. I guess she's going to. Uh, what was the movie with Roddy Roddy Piper? Roddy Roddy Piper, where he was he can see. Uh, he has the sunglasses. I can help you see aliens. Oh yeah, what was that called? I can't remember now. It's just, anyways, it's that movie. That's what he's looking for. But of course, she's just like, well, I don't believe you, a, and even if. What you're saying, if there's some conspiracy here, is true. I just want to get eyes. So, uh, shoo. She's, she's been blind since she's been six months old because in probably its less graceful moment of the series, because she's from South Central and was shot by a stray bullet. <laughs> it was like, ooh. Yeah, that wasn't good. Oh, and I should just say, They Live is the movie we were talking about. Oh, thank you. They Live. <laughs> For anyone screaming right now, it's They Live. Uh, but yes, uh, there's a little bit of like, yeah, like uh, the only way she could have gone blind is that someone shot her in her bad neighborhood um but so she's not interested in helping because she's like i want to get my eyesight back i I don't care who they are i'm just excited to be able to see again um and kate just like well think about it think about whoever gave you anything for free and he like runs off that was a weird thing right that that's like that's supposed to be her turning point like because she basically doesn't trust him which i thought was really good but so you need him to be able to convince her and she's like like i don't i like leave me alone like this is great and he's like has anyone ever given you something for free a little sketchy am i right and i was like yeah maybe not maybe yeah, not it was a bit of a stretch there's there's later in the episode two they'll talk about an alien will talk about how they chose this hospital because um, humans don't care what happens in their inner cities but it's just a, like a throwaway line like i think they were attempting to build some sort of social commentary into this episode mm. but it, it it never like it's just two lines that never connect to any tissue <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, there's too many lines about like not wearing socks. They need time for that. But what we do see, though, is uh, Alika does eventually fall asleep that night. And she has a dream slash memory in which she sees a little boy with just like just blood all over his face and like big black no eyeballs. And uh, the idea being that like maybe she has a suspicion that whatever, however she got these eyes is maybe a suspect. Yeah, it, it it wasn't a willing donor, is what she starts suspecting. But the next day, the they're touring Alika around the hospital in an effort to keep her from thinking something's wrong. So they they take her out in a wheelchair to take her to the 
cafeteria and the nurse who's pushing her gets stopped by your favorite dr markowitz who yells at Mm -hmm. this nurse to go take care of another patient and it allows alika basically to sneak off and like wander the hospital of course she follows the reek of booze to kick (laughs) yeah i think again i think what they're trying to play up is the idea um that you know if you're missing one sense your other senses are heightened so because she was visually impaired for so long in her life that now she has heightened sense of smell so she can find kate because of the smell of booze i have to say like i'm like they're kind of consistent in the show it's it's dumb and it's like full of plot holes i'm like eh, it, it works fine i mean they have no problem they're like they set up a thing and they're like this yeah. will get us to the next scene and like it makes enough sense to get us there exactly yeah she finds Cade, and Cade comes clean because he's laying in this hospital. He's clearly not a doctor like he was pretending to be. And she, she basically tells her, Nostradamus led him to find her because he's trying to find a woman without sight who sees the dark enemy. And he tells her all of this. And she's not even, like, mildly put off by this information. <laughs> no, I, I think the only thing she says, she's like, she's like, what if you're the dark enemy? And he's like, good point. Mm, I'm not that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you're right. She's not phased at all. She just like what she's more is that she just sort of like doesn't want to be bothered. That's really what she has. That the feeling she has. But she is like, listen. If you can prove to me something's going on, maybe maybe I will listen to you. And she's just like, let me describe to you the strange place I had surgery. It smelled a bit a bit like rotten meat, and like it sounded like water was running everywhere. And she basically describes it. And then what we get is a scene of Kate exploring the hospital, and like as she's describing. The yeah. sound she heard on the way to surgery, he's he's seeing them himself, and he's basically following the trail to the yeah, surgery. Which is a pretty room. good scene. Yeah, it's like it's like she's like, I remember hearing like like a, a light popping, and he walks by this light that's you know fizzling, and then she's like, and I remember going into an elevator. He finds an elevator right by there, and she's like, and I think it went down four floors, and he's you know he's watching lights. So I thought that it was a pretty well done scene. No, it works. It's it's nicely edited together. It kind of just like gets you to where you're like like you said, the show does a not bad job of getting you where you need to go. And what he yeah. finds is the alien, like, disgusting cesspool surgery room. Like, they don't care about humans. They're just doing it in, like, this filthy, filthy operating room in the closed wing. And Cade peeks down. There's, like, an observation window up. And he sees a man getting <laughs> surgery. And when they, pull, when they pull the blanket off the man who's getting surgery, they've replaced his right leg, Jordan, with what? <laughs> with a big tentacle. Just um, the biggest but, tentacle you've ever seen. But see, you saw it differently because I started laughing because what I assume, Luke, is what the aliens look like. They're sort of like a starfish, <laughs> and what they were doing is slowly putting on like the human costume, and the leg just hadn't had the leg put on yet, and it just made me laugh because that's now what I picture these aliens looking like because <laughs> it was it was too big a tentacle. It was so big. I see. I thought they were <laughs> attaching it to the man. You thought they just hadn't pulled the like skin suit on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> At any rate, Cade reports back to Alika with his findings and is just like, listen, they're doing crazy stuff down there. You can't do it. And she's like, I hear you, but I do, I do want those corneas, so I'm going to stick it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because we should say, I, I think we've mentioned, she's had one surgery she can she can see, but she can't perfectly see. Um, Her eyes are does, all white, like, Jordan. Yeah, she's like, I know it might be sketchy, but like, I want those corneas so, you know, I can see normally. That'd be, I'd appreciate that. And Kate obviously does not like to hear this. He needs this ally who can see the dark enemy. And he's just like, well, you know what? I'm going to bring down this hospital, and then I'm going to come back here and get you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, Ed's great. Kate storms off. He's going to, like, take down the alien mess here just to sh- just to so she can get a leak out. He walks out. He bumps immediately into Dr. Markowitz. Yeah, Ed, the saddest scene we've seen so far. So Markowitz basically is like, 
I know who you are. I like, I really what? like when the scenes like this happen, where the guy says, "I know who you are," and then gives like an insane explanation for who this guy could be, and the guy's yeah. like, "Uh, yeah." Yeah, he's like, he's like, I know who you are. You're some sort of like private investigator or journalist or something doing it's from the an investigation. Medical board. <laughs> That's right, doing an investigation into our hospital, um, and like you're here to find like unsafe practices, that sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. He's like, great. He's like, okay, well, if that's true. I like that he like gives this insane thing, and then Kate's like, yeah, that's what it is. He's like, okay, well, if that's true, why are you talking to me? And he's like, well, I saw how good a doctor you are. I saw that you're a little bit better than all the other doctors. He sort of like puffs him up, and he's like, so like I think you can like help me with this. And the doctor's like, that's right, I am a bit of a better doctor. I I will help you, but unfortunately, just as he's saying he'll help him, <laughs> the doctor we've seen from the beginning of the episode, he's the doctor from um. Alien the doctor. Opening, the, the alien doctor from the opening scene. He stabs he stabs from behind uh, Dr. Markowitz with the longest saw I've ever seen. The bone saw. The bone saw. But the bone saw is like it's like it's like five feet long. I was like, okay, you did it. You just used a little knife. It was a great scene because it's just like this whole thing where it's like, oh, he's gonna recruit Dr. Markowitz, they're gonna take down the hospital together, and within two seconds, Dr. Markowitz is dead. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then you see and you know it's also that the guy's an alien because um I think it's I don't know if it's a commercial or whatever, but you see the guy and then his face does a little animated thing where you're like, Ooh, there's like bugs under his skin. Also, shouldn't Kate have seen this doctor coming like a mile like he's like right over Dr. Markwitz's shoulder when he's talking to him, like Kate should have just been able to see this doctor coming. Well, I think the guy took his shoes off, so he's tiptoeing. <laughs> anyway, this guy's dead. The alien doctor captures Kate immediately. And yeah. uh, Kay's just wheeled directly into the cesspit surgery room. Yeah, no, a question for you. So, because what they do is they basically, they put drops in his eyes so he's sort of like blind because they're going to do the eye surgery. Yes. But like, so they were like, okay, we're going to, is this like a punishment? Like to punish you for interfering, we're going to take your cornea and give it to uh, Alika? Or was, so if, if that's the case, is there someone who's like not getting their eyes taken out now? Yeah, I think they just were like, oh, this is a convenient source of a cornea. So really, he's he's a bit of a martyr because he's saving someone else. I will say, though, this alien doctor, though, he gives a big speech as he's dragging uh, Cade there. One of the things he said that was very funny, he's just like, I've been I've been a doctor for many years doing lots of dissections on you people. I still don't quite understand how the eye works. And I'm just like, what? You bad doctor. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, he's just like, it's a mystery to me. I'm like, okay. So hey, uh, I got a question for you. So they take over. They take over body. We think they replicate a body and uh, take over. Do you think you get the skills of said body? No. And the knowledge? Probably not, huh? No. I don't think so. Okay. So he, because what I was going to say is he should have just grabbed grab an eye doctor. <laughs> he's just, it's just a mystery. This doctor is very, uh, this alien doctor is philosophical. He's talking a lot about like the one thing he finds interesting about humans is this concept of serendipity and that kind of thing. And he starts talking about how it's very serendipitous that they would catch Cade and did you ca- I'm not sure if you caught this, Jordan, but he's like, you, Cade, after you were Subject 17 in the pilot, were supposed to come here to be dissected immediately afterward. So it's quite serendipitous that you're here now to finally get dissected. And I was just like, oh, that's very strange that the only other episode I've watched is referenced in this episode. <laughs> I didn't really connect that. Yeah, he's just talking about it. He's just like, in the pilot, he's just like, in the pilot, this is where you're supposed to come to be dissected. And now you're finally here. And I'm just like... This could be episode two, as far as I can it, tell. It, it is funny in in some ways because we're watching these out of order. Um, well, not out of order, but you know, not uh, episodically week to week. Um, 
yeah, this is fine watching as the second episode. There's not like a problem. You're right. They just catch you up. You're like, yeah, good enough. Anyway, now I agree with this doctor's opinion on serendipity. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so, um, Neil, there's a turn that happens here. And is it just supposed to be that Alika, uh, because she's having a dream, she has another dream about this kid having his eyes taken out and stuff that she's sort of like, maybe Cade was right. I should go find Cade. There's something sketchy. That's basically what her turn is, right? Yeah, she has that dream, thinks about that. And I think it's not that she needs to find Kate. I think she goes to investigate the surgery room herself because what we see is she goes down the right. same journey, ends up in the same place, and she gets there just in time to basically save Kate's eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, how did... The, so there's a... Basically, she comes in and she's like, calls to Kate. So they're like, stop the surgery. We're going to take care of her. So the doctor goes out to find her and they're like... It's, it was actually a pretty well uh, a blocked scene where they're at two, at two sides of like a gate. Um, like a fence you can see through and i like that like they're arguing and does she what does she have like a oil lantern or something what does she have that she like she like throws it's alcohol she has like a there's a vial of alcohol for the surgeries on a table and she throws she throws the bottle of alcohol all over him what i like though is there's a scene it's like it's so clear what's going to happen she like she basically has it so it's a bottle of alcohol she throws at the doctor smashes smashes all over him and all over the ground and 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 she's like and she pulls out a lighter he's like what are you going to do? Chase me with the lighter? And I was like, no, you're full of alcohol. The whole, there's alcohol everywhere. She just has to light the flame. And so she lights it. It, you know, does the old thing. It, it goes across the floor up, you know, he gets lit on fire. Classic stunt. Classic stunt runs around for a bit, falls over. Um, and I like though they have a line and it's something that I was noticed like, Oh, this is new. Uh, she's like, she tells she rescues Cade. Cade can't see anything cause he's blind. Yes. They put eye drops in his eyes to blind yeah. him for the surgery. And, and, and again, it, it, I think to a point you made earlier, you put a social commentary. It would be nice if they sort of like um, played that a little bit. I think they also could have played this idea a little bit more of like having your hero be blind the whole episode. I think there was maybe something here, but they kind of just do it with one scene of her having to lead him around. You know, the woman who used to not be able to see is now the person who is the eyes for the two. I thought there was something interesting there, but it's only one scene. And uh, he's like, what, what happened to the doctor? She's like, oh, I killed him. And he's like, but aliens dissolve when they die. Is he dead? And I was like, whoa, aliens dissolve when they That's die? That's not what he said. That's not what he said. Th- th- what did he say? He said, what did he sound like when he died? Aliens <laughs> make a sound when they die. <laughs> he said they dissolve. No, he says, did you hear the sound? He's like, very specifically, because I was just like, wait, I have to listen for a sound to know if an alien's dead. <laughs> you got to listen for the snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> well, you'll see very shortly, though, is because uh, yeah. the doctor's not dead. He's just a really, like, he's all burnt up, uh, dark man yeah. style. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice to call back. And like you were saying, this idea of, like, A, the former blind woman having to lead the hero around who's now blind, then becomes he flips on the lights and her eyes are still sensitive, so she's now blinded by the light. So they're both blind now? Yeah. And they're yeah. like, we have to use our other senses, senses like our hearing. And all they do is, like, they push a gurney and then stab him with a knife, and he, like, dissolves. It, like, takes yeah, they, 10 seconds. Yeah, they have, like, a really quick fight with him, and they, yeah, basically take, like, a meat cleaver and, like, hit him with it. Then he dies. Then he dissolves. And I was like, oh. Do you want to describe? We should we should get into more detail. How does an alien die? An alien, he sort of, like, fell over, and, it, yeah, he sort of just, like, he sort of dissolved like he was made out of, like, uh, baking soda or something. You added vinegar to it. Yeah, he kind of becomes a bubbling pink mass and then just like dissolves out of existence yeah so you're like okay great i do think he says they dissolve though Someone no no it's he definitely is just like <laughs> did it make a sound <laughs> aliens make a sound when they die yeah so regardless uh they dissolve so there's no evidence so it's great so you, you know you can keep the mystery alive it's not like you know the, the fbi is going to come in and go why is there a big 
pink goop on the floor. It's gone. Well, as soon as he, as soon as they saw the alien and like said that's how it happens, it's like well that that makes sense. I mean, it had, the show would be over very quickly if there were just dead aliens ever. What, what I like though is that he like we go to like a kind of like button to the episode, and he goes to see Eddie, and I can't remember if it's done in voiceover or it's done with the, their conversation. They're like, yeah, apparently the ward like burned to the ground, so. Uh, so yeah, that that was done. Yeah, the whole hospital just burnt down after they left. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Alika's there, and they're like, "So we want to join us? Like now that you know everything about these aliens and stuff?" She's like, "Nah, yeah, she's not interested." She's like, "I'm not interested." They're like, "Oh, okay." End of episode. <laughs> the best part about that is she's just like, "No, I'm not joining you. I'm not becoming your ally. Like I'm gonna go live my life. I have eyeballs that I can see again." And the voiceover comes in, and Cade's final voiceover is just like. So Notre Dame's prophecy was I'd find an ally to help me see the enemy. But maybe what he really meant is I'd find an ally who would show me that I need to keep fighting aliens. And I think that's what it meant. So that's what we're going with. And I was like, you're really bending over backwards to like yeah. backtrack on the prophecy you set up. Well, it's, it's the funny thing is that they've decided Nostradamus is the vehicle for this show, but it doesn't quite work because it's, again, it's so vague. So it's like every week you could be like, that's kind of what he meant. He, he, he meant that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. And that's the end of the episode. One thing we haven't talked about much at all, really, is the the opening credit sequence, which we finally see in this episode. And um, mm. it's, I think it's, uh, not a lot needs to be said. Like, it's very much of its time. It has that sort of graphic X-Filesy feel of, like, things mm-hmm. with clips of the show. But it, it felt, like, perfectly 1998. Like, definitely, like, if you watch this, you're like, I like the X-Files, and this is clearly the X-Files. <laughs> Well, and I should say, and this is not necessarily a detriment to the show, but you can tell watching this that it's a little bit lower budget. Uh, you can tell that uh, they're a little restrained in some things. I think Cade is, the guy who plays him is his actor named Sebastian Spence. I think he's okay. We haven't seen a lot of uh, opportunity for him to really like flex his acting muscles other than be like cool guy. So I don't can't really speak much to that. Um, we also he's didn't watchable. see much of Crazy he's Eddie. He's, he's very watchable, yeah. So I'll give him that. Um, so he seems he seems fine so far. But in two episodes, it's it's we haven't learned a lot about him. But Jordan, since we watched mm-hmm. the pilot and one of the top three episodes of this season, maybe we should rate it to see if you think these are these are these are good examples of this series. Okay, great. Well, what what would you say uh, for episode one, uh, subject set one seventeen? You know what? It's silly mm-hmm. the plot there's a lot of plot holes there's a lot so some weird back and forth but as we said like it just comes in it's just like here we go this is what's happening let's let's go all in and some fun effects the tentacle sex mm-hmm. scene is insane i seven i'm gonna give it a seven i feel the exact same way i'm also gonna give it a seven look it's not great uh it's got you're saying it's so full of plot holes it's ludicrous but i think it knows what it wants to be. It kind of moves at a really nice clip and it's fun. And yeah, it kind of just doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's just like, I'm like, yeah, that was a really quick 45 minutes. I, I'm glad I sat down and watched that. So seven out of 10. Yeah. I think as a document of the time period, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of a silly, weird thing to watch. And then like, I'm not, I think when it was on, clearly I didn't watch it and I knew it existed and just avoided it because it was so cheap and bad looking. But in the context <laughs> of our podcast, I watched this and I'm like, Eh, I'll watch episode two of this. <laughs> agreed, agreed. So it's a good, good lead to it. What would you give uh, episode eighteen of season one? Blind witness. Blind witness. You know what? I have to give it a seven. Are you? It's not a great episode, and it, but it was like fun. It was the hospital really was kind of like murky and weird and kind of scary. 
tentacle leg thing. I like the actress who played Alika. It was fun. It was a fun episode. Dr. Markowitz is a fun character. I loved when he yeah. got stabbed in the back the second he joined in. Yeah. It, there was a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go down a little bit. I didn't quite like it as much as the pilot. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Uh, I don't disagree with any you say. I just was like, eh, I feel like maybe the plot holes were a little bigger in this one. And like, uh, I, I kind of liked the the sort of insanity of the first episode. Um, but one thing I'm going to mention, though, um, I don't know if you looked, I was looking through the credits. A little known person was an animator on this show. One of their early credits, Neil Blomkamp, was a, th- a 3D editor uh, uh, animator oh, wow. on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah. Neil Blomkamp, eh? A man yeah. who reached great heights. Yeah, but it's interesting to see, like, everyone's got to start somewhere. So he was an animator on this show. I'm assuming doing Aliens. Yeah, he was back in Vancouver, so that makes sense that he would have been doing some mm-hmm. VFX on this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not, not not terrible scores for our first uh, first two episodes of First Wave. Interesting. It, better than I thought for the first two episodes of First Wave, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, Jordan, as we've mentioned, we skipped the first 16 episodes uh, <laughs> in our in our th- flyover of this, ep- of this series. So, listener... If you want us to hear more about those episodes, we've got <laughs> bonus episodes for charity. You can uh, make a donation to a charity on our website as selected by our past guests. Uh, mm-hmm. Go to continuedrag.podbean.com, I believe is the address there. Or on our social media, you can go to our bios and there's links to find that. And it'll explain to you how to do the donations and kind of like suggested donations and et cetera, et cetera. You can find it all on the website. Or if you don't mm-hmm. understand, you can always email me at continuumdrag.com and I'll try to explain it to you. And of course, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we'll have clips from these these two episodes. Lots of tentacles, um, mm. probably a severed head. Oh yeah, the severed head was good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like, it's a fun show. It's a fun, silly show. It's it's funny, as we said. There's not a lot of alien stuff, but when the alien stuff happens, it's very funny to watch. Yeah, yeah, the alien tentacles are good. I hope they keep those. I hope the aliens are consistent with those tentacles. Do you think the actual like look when we finally see an alien? Is it going to look like uh, Kang and Kronos from uh, The Simpsons? Yeah, it's it's going to be something like that. That's what I'm hoping for because that's it, that's uh, you want your alien to be as fun as possible. And I, I'm hoping it's all, like all tentacles. I got to say, usually you watch these shows, and we've watched a lot of these shows where like mm-hmm. aliens impersonate humans. They usually either like they're like a gray underneath or maybe a lizard man or something. These, the show is just like, no, no, they're full of tentacles. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the thing. It's like, why are their why are their faces moving that way? I'm like, I guess they have small tentacles under their face. It is it is just the <laughs> opposite of what you usually would go to. Usually, you'd be yeah. like, well, they can look like humans because they already kind of look like humans to begin with. And they're like, no, no, these guys are weird tentacles, and they just like squeeze into a human body somehow. I was just like, okay, that's good alien. I'm I'm telling you, Luke, that's what they were doing. They were putting a leg on a tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, or we'll miss that episode where they explain it. I don't know, one or the other. We'll see. All right. Well, listener, thank you for joining us this week. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you again. Bye. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.